expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio show for real estate investing advice, strategies, and of course, motivation. Our first meeting of the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati occurs tomorrow night, first February meeting, of course, occurs tomorrow evening at uh, the usual location, which is the corner of Reading and uh, really strictly speaking, Langdon Farm, but Seymour is the big cross street there. And we have a very special guest coming in all the way from Colorado, where it's apparently warmer and nicer than it is here in Cincinnati. It's uh, Anthony Chara, who was a big, big uh, hit at the 2010 OREA convention in Dayton. Anthony is visiting us to talk about his experiences in buying over 1,100 apartment units all over the United States. So if you're one of those many, many folks who has thought, well, you know, maybe I should look at apartments, tomorrow would be a really good night to attend the Cincinnati REA meeting because uh, he's going to talk about how you can buy apartments even when, and maybe especially if, you're one of those new investors with a full-time job. The early meeting uh, tomorrow is, uh, well, gosh, I thought it was me, but maybe it's not. Oh, yes, it is. It's called Great Deals, where they are and where to find them. That's at 6 o'clock. That's the uh, one-hour early meeting followed at 7.30 by Anthony Chera, How to Get Massive Passive Income in Apartments. By the way, if you cannot attend the Cincinnati RIA meeting tomorrow night, but you can get up to Dayton tonight the Greater Dayton Real Estate Investors Association is where Anthony's going to be speaking tonight. You can get more information about Cincinnati RIA at CincinnatiRIA.com, about Dayton RIA at GDRIA.org. Not coincidentally, my guest today is also Anthony Chara, who is uh, freezing up there in Dayton, uh, getting prepared to go on with GDRIA. But uh, Anthony and I got to talking about it and decided that a really good thing to discuss on today's program is one of the things that is, is, is most difficult for a lot of people about the apartment business, and that is evaluating the properties. How do you, how do you know what a seven family is worth or a 40 family is worth? So that is going to be our topic today, and Anthony Chara is joining us by phone. Welcome, Anthony. Hi, Hi Vina. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks, and you are correct. I am on my way up to Dayton as we speak. Of course, the, the cold here doesn't really bother me as much as the ice does, because <laughs> being from Colorado, it gets rather chilly. As a matter of fact, when I left yesterday, it was minus 13 degrees, and 
Denver. Wow. Uh, but getting out here, uh, I'm not used to the ice storms that you all have in this particular area. <laughs> well, let me let me say that they are unusual. You just got really lucky to get up here during our, one of our once every two or three year uh, ice storms. And we're, we're looking forward to seeing you at uh, Greater Cincinnati Rhea tomorrow night. But uh, I wanted to, to take this hour to talk about something that I, I know you're going to touch on it tomorrow night, but you only have 90 minutes. You're coming back on the 12th for an all day session where you're going to get much more into it. But 90% of the questions that I hear asked about apartment buildings have to do with just flat out how do I know what they're worth? And there's this whole alphabet soup of of figures that that is thrown around NOI and and uh, DSCR and 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 cap rate and all these things that that people hear but they don't really get. So what we're going to try and do for the next uh, 45 minutes or so is just kind of get those things lodged in people's mind in such a way that they that they can that they get how to do this because once you know these things you can evaluate any apartment building at any given moment absolutely so let's 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 start with the thing that i think is is most sort of mind-boggling to folks who are used to the single family home business and that is this whole this whole concept of cap rate and how it relates to the value of an apartment building. Okay. Well, it is a great topic because unlike going out and getting an appraisal like you do with most single-family homes, you can literally figure out the value of a property within just a couple of minutes if you know a couple of key terms. And one of the terms you need to understand is cap rate. And in order to figure out the cap rate, um, unlike a single-family home, the value of a commercial property or an apartment building is figured out based on the income that the property generates as opposed to what the one right across the street sold for. Um, so what you have to understand to figure out the value of, of not just the value of the property but the cap rate is you have to know two things. You have to know what the asking price is of the property and you have to know what the net operating income is. Now, the net operating income, just to simplify it for since we only have 45 minutes, is basically the income that's generated by, from the property for things like rent, um, uh, storage, parking, stuff like that. Uh, you then take out the vacancy because that's literally it's negative income when you don't have units occupied completely. And you then uh, about adding in other income like things for um, parking, storage, laundry, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And what's left over is your effect income. From that, you subtract out your operating expenses, things like taxes, insurance, management, maintenance, utilities, and repairs. And that actually uh, creates an, um, what do you call it, an acronym called TIMUR, T-I-M-M-U-R, taxes, insurance, management, maintenance, utilities, and repair. You subtract those things out from the effective gross income and what's left over is the net operating income. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you notice in there, nowhere did I mention anything about a mortgage payment. And the reason we don't use mortgage payments or calculate that in our operating expenses is because not necessarily everybody has the same exact loan on a particular property. Mm-hmm. So you take the income minus the operating expenses and what's left over is the net operating income. Mm-hmm. And Anthony, you, you just you just you just made a really a really important point that uh, 
again, this is something that that folks folks forget about when they when they haven't you know done this several times like you have. <clears throat> the the net operating income doesn't include debt service, and it also doesn't include income taxes. And the reason is, if it did, the value of the building would be different for every person. As we as we go on and talk about how how this relates to cap rate and value, uh, if if I'm going to make ten thousand dollars off the building, but because you didn't don't have a loan, you're going to make twenty thousand. The 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 calculation that we're going to do in a few minutes here uh, would leave the building actually having more value to you than it does to me, and obviously that can't be true. I mean, we've got to be able to set a value on a building. So uh, the logic behind not having the debt service and the um, uh, income tax uh, affects whether that be a positive or a negative is that we are trying to come to what is this building worth? Not, well, what can I pay for it? We'll do that later. Yep. Absolutely. Great points. Okay. So we get down to this, this net operating income, which is all the income, less the vacancy, less all the expenses, except for the debt service and the taxes. And, um, that's all. That's all fine and well. I mean, it's a it's it's a, it's a good number to have. It doesn't actually tell us what we're going to put in our pocket because we do have to <laughs> subtract the debt service eventually. But w- yep. what do we do with that in terms of finding value? Well, the last step that you have to do once you have the net operating income, and quite frankly, it, it can be an easy process to get that number, the net operating income, or it can be a little more time consuming. It just depends on how forthcoming the seller or the seller's agent is with the information. But let's assume that they give you the information and the information is accurate regarding the net operating income. You then take that number. So let's say that number is um, Mm -hmm. $10,000. But you take your income minus your expenses. you got $10,000. Let's round it up. We'll say (laughs) $100,000, which is really really more realistic because if you're talking about only $10,000 in income, you might only be talking about a fourplex. Uh-huh. So let's say you have 100000 in income left over, and the seller wants a million dollars for their property. Mm-hmm. So if your listeners want to write down the formula, it's NOI divided by the purchase price. So 100000 divided by $1 million. And if you do the calculation, what you get is 0.1 or 10%, mm-hmm. meaning that the cap rate for that property is 10%. So you might hear people say it's a 10 cap, an 8 cap, a 9.5 cap. What they're referring to is the return that you would get on your monies. As an example, as a million-dollar building, if you had a million dollars of cash to buy that property, the return that you would get on it at the end of the year after you paid off all of your expenses would be 10% or $100,000. So mm-hmm. the, the short definition of cap rate, and again, is this be a good rule of thumb to write down, the cap rate is, is the return that you would get on a property if you purchased it all cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, now that, that, that's, that's wonderful that we just calculated a cap rate on a building, but the problem is I want to know what I should pay for it. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> that's the next step that you need to figure out, because just because someone says, or you figure out that a building is rated at a 10 cap, just like you said, does that mean the property is worth it? Well, the next step would be to talk to people who know those types of properties in that particular market and find out what the average cap rate is. 
because literally what happens is over a long period of time, people go into a specific city or a specific area of the country, and they want to get a certain return on their money. Mm-hmm. So there's areas of the country like New York or San Francisco where there's no place left to build. So people that buy those buy apartment buildings in those areas, they're okay with actually getting a lower rate of return, sometimes a three cap or a four cap, meaning only a three to four percent return on their money because they know that the people that live there really have no alternative. They either pay the rent that you're asking or they can move out of the city and have an hour, hour and a half, two hour commute every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's one way. Mm-hmm. So, but then you get to other parts of the country like Kansas City or even Dallas where there's so much more area to build and there's so many apartment buildings that literally have a lot more competition. So what happens is people want to get a better rate of return to invest in those markets so the cap rates go up. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about areas where you might have an eight, eight and a half, nine, or even a 10 cap because you want to entice people to buy your property in that market and to buy it quickly as opposed to waiting a little bit longer. So when you get into some of these other markets that have higher cap rates, they can still be, and they still are, because that's a lot of cases that's where we invest. They're really great investments. And you also get a lot better rate of return overall as long as you continue to maintain your property. So we generally want to invest in a market where we're getting an 8% return or higher based off the cap rate. Now, it's not our actual cash-on-cash return, but we want to get at least an 8% cap rate or higher as opposed to investing in markets where we might only get a 3 or 4% return. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, so, uh, how- uh, uh, uh Sorry, Anthony. We need to we need to take a quick break, and I want to I want to let listeners know how they can get in on this conversation if they have any questions. Um, but uh, yeah, what 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 you what you just heard, listeners, is the higher the cap rate, the higher the return. When we get back, we'll explain why it is that the higher the cap rate, the lower the purchase price. You can give us a call at seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail dot com. Support comes from Cincinnati Ballet. You can take a break from your regularly scheduled winter season for a midsummer night's dream. Cincinnati Ballet Orchestra performs Mendelssohn's score, and actors from Cincinnati Shakespeare Company tell the story through dramatic reading of the famous text. A Midsummer Night's Dream, February 11th through 13th. Tickets at 513-621-5282 or cballet.org. Checking on traffic, we have an accident down in the Queensgate area, Guest Street at West 6th Street. Uh, we have some backups North 71 at Pfeiffer, North 75 at Glendale Milford, South 75 approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. Wind advisory is still in effect and will remain in effect for a few more hours this evening. Overnight tonight, cloudy skies, maybe a few light snow showers, no accumulations, but cold with a low around 15 degrees. The wind gusts will uh, be around 30 miles per hour early this evening, but will taper off by daybreak tomorrow. Partly cloudy, a high of 25. Looking ahead to Friday, a high of 32. And then Sunday, a high near 40. Right now, we are right around 25 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Maple Knoll Home Health Services is proud to support award-winning programming on WMKV. As your home care company, Maple Knoll Home Health Services specializes in maintaining the health and independence of its clients in their very own homes. More information on Maple Knoll Home Health Services is available at 513 782 
513-782-2546. Once again, that is 513-782-2546. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Anthony Chara, who is also making a grand tour of Southern Ohio over the next two days, Dayton today, Cincinnati tomorrow night. And uh, he's going to be teaching about his experiences buying apartment buildings. And what we're talking about today is evaluating apartment buildings, because I get more questions about that than anything else. And Anthony, you and I were talking a little bit offline, and I mentioned to you that to this day, I still get real estate agents who will call me and say, I have this eight family for sale and it's $400,000. And the reason I know that's a good price is because the one next door just sold for $400,000. Yep. And that of course is yeah. not how we do things. No, it's not when it comes to apartments and, and just for the, the, the quick down and dirty apartments, when it comes to what we talk about our apartments are considered five units and up. Because when it comes to getting financing, four units and below is considered residential property. Five units and up are considered apartments or commercial residential properties. So mm-hmm. you're right. When, the, when somebody comes to you and says the property across the street sold for 400000 therefore this one's worth 400000 the fact is that doesn't tell you anything about the property. Mm-hmm. $400,000 could be a terrible buy for the, the one that they're bringing to you or it could be a fantastic buy. It's not based on what the one across the street sold for. It's based off the income that the property generates. And if your building is completely vacant, it's probably not worth $400,000. And if the one across the street was completely vacant and sold for four hundred, dollars now they want to sell you this one completely occupied for four hundred. dollars now you're probably getting a rocking deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that kind of makes sense in a way, just, just again, if you just think about it logically, forget about all this math and just think logically and say, if I'm looking for, a, I'm looking at a 110 unit building with 51 bedrooms and 62 bedrooms that has a pool and a tennis court, what is the likelihood I'm going to find a comp? Uh, what 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 are, what are the chances I'm going to find another building with that same layout, the same amenities, the same rents uh, within you know the entire city that has sold within the last five years, much less what we you know in single family homes we look for comps that sold in the last six months that are within a half a mile of our property. So uh, this 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 all makes logical sense if you just step back a minute and stop being afraid of the math and think about it. The we were having a discussion. Anthony, about cap rate and about uh, there's there's you know several ways to get into this and out of this. There's three numbers we're working with. It's net operating income or NOI, purchase price, or sometimes that's projected purchase price because we haven't bought it yet, and yep. cap rate. And that uh, the NOI divided by the purchase price gives you the cap rate. But on the other hand, it's the purchase price divided by the cap rate, or sorry, the NOI divided by the cap rate that gives you the purchase price. And that's, that's the thing that, that everybody is so fascinated with is how do I set value? And the answer is you got to have those two numbers. Now, I know the question is going to come up. Anthony, I'm in Dayton, Ohio. What's the cap rate here? I'm in... Las Vegas, what's the cap rate here? What even within a city is going to affect that cap rate? Sure. Well, great question. There's a lot of things that will affect the cap rate. The biggest one is going to be the amount of uh, jobs in that particular market, the employment. Uh, are, do you have people that are moving into the city 
and driving the rents up and the vacancy down? Do you have people leaving the city and going elsewhere to find work and employment? Chances are what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot more vacancy. So the way that you can find out some of those things is to go to different websites. One website you can go to is HUD.gov. Go to the HUD website. Uh, you can also go to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics that will talk about, especially right now, since the 2010 census was just completed. There's a lot of current information out there where you can find out what's happening in a particular market as far as in-migration, not immigration, but in, as an in, coming into the city, in-migration as opposed to out-migration. Um, the other thing that I would recommend, we kind of touched on it briefly before the last break, was talking to people who are experts on the type of apartment building that you're looking to purchase in that particular city and talk to three or four or five people. Don't just take one person's word for it. Talk to three or four or five different people and ask them what they've been seeing over the last 6 to 12 to 24 months as far as current cap rates for that particular style of apartment building. And then you can go back to the formula that you just talked about, Vina. You take the net operating income that you got from the seller or the seller's agent, divide that by the cap rate, and it'll give you an approximate value for the property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and be aware as you're doing this, of course, that you might find that in one neighborhood, the expected cap rate is 12, and in another neighborhood, the expected cap rate is 6, and they're in the same city. And yeah. what what that has to do with, again, is the risk of the particular property you know how hard is it going to be to manage how 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 much am i going to have to do in turnover and so on um it, it it's it's often the case that uh, if you get a particular kind of property like all efficiency units and then in a particular kind of neighborhood like as a border zone the the cap rates are huge because efficiencies in border zones are going to turn over a lot they, they can, absolutely. But it also depends on the, the city and the part of the country that you're in, simply because there are some areas, and as an example, in Dayton, maybe efficiencies in one bedrooms aren't very popular. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now, in Tucson, they are more popular than two-bedroom units. Really? Yes. That's, that's very it's interesting. Amazing. But Yeah, but, but they have a, a very highly transient population, people that are moving, coming, and going quite regularly. Mm-hmm. And they prefer the smaller units that they can pay less money for and get into by themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but they're much more popular than the two-bedroom units. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, question here that just came in via email at askvina at gmail.com. Uh, the question is from JC in Las Vegas. He says, how deeply do I need to get into the evaluation of a building before I determine whether it's even worth making an offer. In other words, if the seller has told me what he's asking and I get a little bit into the evaluation and decide that it, it can't, I can't pay that, should I continue? Well, if you decide right then within about, well, quite frankly, we can, we can figure out whether or not we want to proceed on a property within five to ten minutes. As we have our own software that we've got set up, we can plug in some numbers, and very, very quickly we can figure out whether or not we want to move on. So to answer J.C.'s question, if, as an example, he knows or she knows within five minutes that the seller is asking too high of a price, 
you've got a couple of options. One is just walk away from it. Or two, what we actually teach our students is to put in an offer anyway, but send in an offer with a cover letter that says, look, here's how we evaluated your property. We understand that you're asking X, but we're only willing to pay Y, and here is Y. And we give them a couple detailed bullet points so that they don't think that we're just out there trying to lowball their offer. We're trying to let them know that we're sophisticated, we understand how to evaluate properties, and this is what we've done to come up with the price that we're willing to pay them. And that way, especially when you're talking about apartment buildings where you usually have much more sophisticated investors, if they're asking $2 million bucks and you come in at $1.2, they're just going to look at that and say, you know what, you're just trying to lowball me. I'm not interested in selling at a fire sale price. But if you detail out very quickly the bullet points that you use to analyze the property, that shows, hey, you know, guess what? The vacancy is this. The uh, expenses are a little bit higher than you said. Therefore, the NOI is lower, and the cap rate is actually higher for that particular market based on our research. This is why we're offering you 1.2. Mm-hmm. And they can accept it, or they can say, no, thank you, we're not interested. But the bottom line is if you treat them nice and explain to them what you're doing and act professional, and if, if, they, if you don't come to an agreement, that's fine. Just let them know if something changes. Make sure they have your name and your phone number because it's not uncommon after the property sat on the market for 6, 12, 18 months that your phone's going to ring and they're going to say, hey, Anthony, remember that property you were looking at? It's still for sale. Are you interested in taking another look at it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they'll drop the price because they'll realize that it's not worth what they're asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, we need to take another quick break, Anthony, and when we get back, we're going to answer questions from Dabney in Indianapolis and from Mike in Michigan. We're also going to take calls at 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're listening to us on the web, give us a call toll-free at 877-772-9658 or send us an email to askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from Paul R. Rigney & Associates with over 21 years experience in personal financial services. Paul Rigney specializes in asset preservation strategies. Clients who chose the conservative strategies did not lose during the recent market downturn. His educational workshop and dinner is on Wednesday, February 16th at receptions on Loveland Madeira Road in Loveland. With strategies on protecting your legacy and retirement from stock market losses, income and estate taxes, and long-term care expenses. It's Wednesday, February 16th. 16th at 6:30. Seating is limited. Reservations or details from Paul R. Rigney and Associates at 792-9200. Checking on traffic right now. We have one accident. Guest Street at West Sixth Street in the uh, West End, uh, Queensgate area. Other than that, we have backups North 71 at Reagan through Pfeiffer, South 71 Reading off and on to uh, down to the Lytle. North 75 slows up around Hovel and again at Glendale Milford. South 75 approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. The uh, wind advisory should be tapering off a little bit later this evening. Uh, We're getting getting some big wind gusts today, but that should uh, pass through. But cold tonight, a low of 15 degrees. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high of 25. We'll get up to maybe 32 tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry, 32 on Friday. And then Saturday, a high around 32 as well. Right now... We are right around 24 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from the Blue Ash Business Association presenting their February After Hours event on Thursday, February 3rd from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. It will be at Dare to Dance, a Cincinnati ballroom dance studio located at 11256 Cornell Park Drive, an evening to mix and mingle with Blue Ash businesses. 
WMKV's trivia team members will provide entertainment and door prizes, and attendees can stay for a dance lesson. Details and directions at babusiness.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Anthony Chara, who is a nationally known expert in the topic of buying apartments and, of course, doing that profitably and continuing to manage them profitably, unlike a lot of folks who jump into this business without really understanding how the numbers work. Um, Anthony, a couple of questions that have come in here via askvina at gmail.com. The first one is from Dabney in Indianapolis. She says... Anthony, here in Indianapolis, we see an awful lot of properties that are either bank-owned or in receivership. Unfortunately, they usually cannot provide us with numbers such as historical utility costs, rent rates, etc. What do you do to evaluate a building in this situation? Uh, another good question. It's one thing I love about apartment buildings. It's much easier to evaluate them than you would think. And one of the things that you need to do... <clears throat> bank-owned properties or properties that are in receivership, literally you can do some quick research by talking to some property managers and some commercial real estate brokers that handle that type of apartment building in the market and find out what the average rent is for the different size units that are in the complex. And there are some other areas out there where you can get some reports and, of course, talk to the same people, especially property managers, to find out what the average expenses are. Because if you remember to figure out the value, you just need to know what the net operating income is, the income minus the expenses. So you make um, a calculated guess on the income based on the average rent that's collected on the same types of units in the market. You take out the average vacancy for those types of units in that particular market. And then you take out for the average expenses and you come up with a net operating income. It, so it's very easy to figure out what the value is based on those current numbers. Now, you can actually go one step further because the, the numbers that I just gave out in that example will tell you what the building should be worth. But once you know what it should be worth, now you can go in, and even though a bank may not have numbers from the last, 12, 18, 24 months to do your evaluation, they should be able to at least tell you what the building occupancy currently is. So if the average for your market is a 10% vacancy and the bank comes back and says, look, you know, it was in receivership, we were foreclosing on it, the, the owner bailed, they weren't putting new people in, some of the people weren't even paying rent, we went in and we evicted half the people, and now there's only 50% occupancy, well, great, now you just adjust your numbers and look at the building as if it had 50% vacancy, which lowers your net operating income, therefore lowering the purchase price or the offer price. Mm -hmm. So what you're going to have now are two different figures side by side. One that tells you what it should be worth, assuming that it's running based off market averages, and one that tells you what it's worth today based off its current vacancy rate. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you'd be surprised at the type of uh, income or equity that you can build up very, very quickly in properties just by making a few phone calls and talking to the people that I mentioned, property managers and commercial brokers that specialize in that type of complex in that market. 
Yeah, amen to the how quickly you can build up uh, equity and income in these properties. One of one of the things, of course, that scares a lot of people about apartments is you're generally adding a zero to the end of whatever numbers you're used to working in residentially. You know, I mean, you can you can buy houses in yeah. Cincinnati every day of the week for thirty thousand dollars. You may be looking at three hundred thousand or even three million to step into an apartment building. I know one of the things you're going to talk about it at Rian at the Saturday session is how to actually get that money. But uh, you also add a zero to the income numbers and the equity numbers. So yeah. where, where you might you might get, you know, $20,000 in equity in that $32,000 property when you're finished with it, you can easily pick up $200,000 in equity in even a small apartment building just by repositioning it and getting it rented. So yeah, amen, amen to that. <laughs> yeah. And um, the other nice part about it, where a lot of people with single-family homes, especially if they are getting loans, might be limited by lenders to only four or ten loans in their portfolio or on the credit report, commercial loans don't show up on your credit report. Hmm. So you're not going to be limited in that aspect. Uh, matter of fact, lenders want to see all the performing properties that you have, and the more performing properties that you have on your portfolio the easier it's going to be for you to get a loan on the property. Unlike residential, where they, do, they don't care how well you're doing, once you hit that 410 loan mark, you're done. We're not going to loan you any more money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very true. Uh, I just got a very interesting email from David, who does not say where he's from, but he says, I'm very anxious to start in the apartment mm-hmm. arena. I've reached the point where I've read enough to begin, and your article, which, by the way, was your article, <laughs> Anthony, uh, today added richly to my rudimentary understanding of the relationship between NOI, purchase price and, price and cap rate. I'm old enough to know that I'm at the point to go out and do something and the rest will fall in place with coaching. May I ask for some ideas from your guest for finding owners, and I assume he means motivated owners, uh, his mm-hmm. thought process for soliciting an owner to raise his or her hand to be open to a conversation about selling their property? Great question. How, how do you find those motivated owners? One of the things that we do that works quite well, frankly, is direct mail marketing. We have a company, a service company that we contract with, who can actually go into major cities around the country. They can figure out uh, what apartment properties are out there. As an example, we're looking for properties that have 20 units and above. And then we sell, send them a very simple letter that pretty much just says we're interested in selling your property or or, or, excuse me we're interested in buying your property if you're interested in selling we're motivated we're ready to go we're actively looking in this market if you have any interest please give us a call and we generally get about a five to six percent response rate we've actually had some of our students that have gone out and gotten 11 to 12 percent response rate and if you know anything about direct mail marketing the average is about one percent mm-hmm So it's a phenomenal way to get the phone to ring off the hook and to find people who are motivated to sell their properties. That And the nice part is they're usually not even listed yet, which Mm -hmm. means you can cut out the the broker's commission. And, of course, sometimes the brokers end up being more of a roadblock anyway uh, because they think they're trying to protect the seller. And what they end up doing is talking, a lot of times, talking the seller out of a really good deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. And thank you for your question, David. I just a uh, little little sort of side note here at the end. David says, I'm still shaking my head asking why I haven't started sooner. <laughs> I think 
I think there's a lot of people around shaking their heads about why they yeah. didn't start sooner with. Yeah, I did that about two years myself into real estate. <laughs> like, man, what am I doing here? We'll actually talk about that at, at tomorrow night's RIA meeting. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and especially um, there, there is truly a sale going on in the commercial market right now. Uh, and and th- that will continue, I think, for probably the next two years because the uh, what, what we're seeing around here right now, and uh, this is probably all over the country, uh, is people who are getting to the end of a five-year balloon mortgage and they can't refinance yep. because the money's not out there for them because they don't have a building that's worth what it was worth five years ago. And they're going into receivership. They're going into the, the, some. Some of them are just walking into the bank and giving them the keys to the property. And uh, we we literally there are some places in Cincinnati where you can find two bedroom apartment buildings for around ten to fifteen thousand dollars a door. They're going to be empty. <laughs> they're going to have, you know, you're going to have to to turn them over. They're not they're not ready to move into at those kinds of prices, but it's getting to the point where a lot of folks have enough money in their IRA to pay cash for a, a five to 20 family building. So yeah, really good time to be getting into the apartment market along with everybody else. Now question from Mike yep. in Flint, Michigan. He says, in which area of the U.S. do you see the fastest comeback or the fastest growing area to invest in? And let me guess that your answer is not Flint, Michigan. <laughs> No, no, it's not going to be Flint, Michigan. As I talked about earlier, one of the things you need to look at is things like in-migration as opposed to out-migration. And unfortunately, for a lot of areas of Michigan, there's a lot of out-migration because of what's going on in the automobile industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where we we are seeing uh, not necessarily a lot of comeback, but just the fact that it's very stable is the Midwest, places like Iowa and Oklahoma, all the way down through, and even Nebraska, all the way down through the southeast, places like Tennessee, Kentucky, um, Mississippi, Louisiana. Uh, Years ago when the real estate market was just booming all over the country, those markets went up very slowly. And now what's happening with the downturn in the market, they have not been hit nearly as hard, and they're actually poised to come back faster. If you look at some of the reports, they, they're just very stable economies. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have a lot of jobs coming in, but they do have jobs coming in, and it's just going to be a nice, slow, steady growth. So you don't have to worry about these huge spikes up or down when it comes to those particular markets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I read somewhere a few months ago that the highest employment rate in the country is actually in North Dakota. And there's a, there's a lot of places that people will overlook because it's mm-hmm. not sexy like L.A., you know, but it's also not expensive sure. like L.A. And we, we should say here that particularly when you get into buildings over 40 units and especially, especially in ones over 100 units, it is a national market. You don't have to be where your apartment building is. No, I, I, matter of fact, I have no apartment buildings in Colorado at all, and people are amazed by that because I've lived there for 27 years. Not a single one of my units is in Colorado. <laughs> Very interesting. We're going to take another quick break. We're going to invite more questions about evaluating 
income properties here on Real Life Real Estate Investing, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call or send us an email to askvina at gmail.com. Do you have your Buffalo Ridge Jazz Band tickets yet? Well, you can get them right now. WMKV presents the Buffalo Ridge Jazz Band at Maple Knoll Village Auditorium, 11100 Springfield Pike, on Sunday, February 20th from 2 until 4 p.m. Tickets are only $10 each, and all proceeds directly benefit WMKV Radio. Tickets traditionally go quickly for the event, and you can get tickets at WMKV by calling 782-2427. That's 782-2427. Or order your tickets securely online at WMKVFM.org. Down on the Ohio. Down on the GEST, that's Guest Street. There is an accident at West 6th. Also, we have uh, backups North 71 at the Reagan Highway, South 71 at Reading, and uh, North 75 Hopple, and again at Glendale Milford, South 75 approaching the uh, Brent Spence Bridge. Wind advisory early this evening. Winds gradually tapering off, but we could get a few more gusty uh, winds uh, early this evening. Tonight's low dipping down to 15. Tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high of 25. Friday, partly cloudy, a high of 32. Saturday, a high of 30. And on Sunday, a high of 38, maybe even 40 degrees for the Super Bowl. Uh, Right now, we are right around 24 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Anthony Chara. If you are not on Real Life Real Estate Investing's email list, you can get there by going to askvina.com. There's a form there that you can fill out, and I know we've had some issues with that in the last few months, but it is fixed and working and up and running, and we're sending out some great articles. I sent out a really nice one today by Anthony about understanding cap rate and how it works, and uh, if you want to go in there and fill out that little form you'll get your articles in the future and also because i have now anthony since i said it was such a great article i've had three email requests to get the article from people who are not on the email list so just (laughs) this once (laughs) i usually do not do this it's usually if you're on the list you're on the list if you're not sorry you didn't get it just this once if you're listening and you send me an email at askmina at gmail.com i'll just attach the article pop it back to you and we will put you on the email list uh, at that point in time. So, uh, yeah, um, was a really good article too. Uh, Anthony, I have a question here from Bob, who is in. He just identifies himself as being in South Texas. It's like a secret, Bob. We're not allowed to know where you live, except that it's in South Texas. Or, or maybe he's holding that over our heads that he's in South Texas. Although I talked to my nephew yesterday, and he said it was 18 degrees in Dallas. So yeah, I was just going to say it's probably just as cold down there as it is up here. <laughs> Bob's question is: Can I use this formula on a two-to-four family, or even a single family, when there are no comparable properties, which is a big problem sometimes now? And if so, what cap rate would I use? Ooh, great question. Um, you can actually use it. Matter of fact, anything that you invest in. Stocks, bonds, real estate, everything has a cap rate. And, and it comes down to what's, the, if you bought it all cash, what's the return that you get on the property? So if you went to a two-unit property, a duplex, and let's say um, uh, you've got, you bought it, as you said, Vina, for 
let's say forty thousand bucks, twenty thousand dollars a door, and you paid all cash for it, mm-hmm. and the the property rents for let's say four hundred a side, so that's eight hundred dollars a month. You multiply that times twelve, figure out what the average expenses are going to be for that particular property. Again, it's taxes, insurance, maintenance, utilities, management, repair, <clears throat> and subtract that out. So just as a quick rule of thumb, just cut it in half. Use fifty percent. That, that'll get you in the ballpark anyway. As a matter of fact, it's probably very conservative to use 50%. So you take the 400 aside, which is 800, times 12, divide it by 2, you're going to get whatever your return comes up to. Divide that by the cash that you put into it, the 40000 and that'll tell you what your cap rate is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can be a little more difficult, though, to figure out what's a good cap rate, because most people, when you're talking about two, three, and four units, they don't generally talk about them using the term cap rate. But let's say, as an example, your cap rate came back at 22%. Mm-hmm. What you have to ask yourself at that point is, are you okay making a 22% return on your money? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, it's probably a good deal. If the answer is no, you want 35 then pass on it and go find another property that makes that 35% cap rate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, question here from somebody anonymous. How did they manage to not put their name on this email at all? Listen, if you're going to send an email to askmina at gmail.com, please. We need your name and we need where you are writing from because if you ask some question like, what do you think of my market? And I'm not telling you what it is. That's going to be hard to answer. Um, So this is from Anonymous. Uh, Something I've always been confused about. When I get an actual value, not pro forma, on a building that is not in fact performing, am I supposed to offer that price or am I supposed to offer less? If I offer the price that I get from the actual income and expenses on a building that is not fully performing, I am actually paying full value at that time, although it would be less than the number on the pro forma. So to summarize, do I take the actual value and reduce it by something, or do I offer the actual value? You'd be surprised at how many times you look at an offering from a seller that says their actual numbers. And then when you get in and actually start doing your due diligence, you find out that it's not actual numbers, it's performa. It's, <laughs> yes. it's what the building would actually be doing if it actually had people living in it. <laughs> and we never actually fixed anything. And <laughs> yes. So they, they actually answered their, their question, their own question, and that is, even though the, it says that they're actual numbers, they need to do their homework and confirm. So if it says that the it actually has 20% vacancy and it actually has 50% expenses but in reality the price is based off of 10% vacancy and 40% expenses they need to use the actual numbers and make the offer based off of the the actual numbers that they're given um, not based off of what the seller is asking for the particular property mm-hmm. so um, it, I think you just I, need to do the homework. It's, it's very quick, and it comes back to what I said earlier. Is just if you're going to offer a lower price, then go ahead and put that cover sheet on the offer that says, "Hey, here's what we're, why we're offering what we're offering." Okay, I think I think the question actually was, and and I I've kind of struggled with this myself before I actually started making offers on apartment buildings. <clears throat> Let's say that under actual income and expenses, I come up with a value of half a million dollars. Uh-huh. That is the actual value of that building right now. So as a bargain hunter, am I going to offer a half a million? 
or am I going to try and get it for 400000 understanding that when I get it turned over and people in it and reduce expenses and all that, it's going to be worth a million either way? Yeah. One of the things that we teach our students is to offer – well, let me, let me ask you this question. If you were selling that particular property, Vina, and you had two offers come in, you had one offer come in at 500000 and one come in at four fifty, and everything else on the offer was identical as far as financing and strength of the buyer, which one would you be more inclined to go with as a seller? Let me think about this for a minute. Um, I think the higher one. Yeah. One of the things that we teach our students is to get the property under contract. So in other words, if they think that the property is worth 500000 and the numbers on the surface might prove that it's 500000 now that's, not, that's before you do your due diligence, go ahead and get it under contract. You can always go back later as long as you set up your offer correctly, and you can either cancel the offer or you can renegotiate it to a lower price. Mm-hmm. So if, if the property really is performing at $500,000 right now, but if you were able to increase the occupancy from 50 to maybe only 80% and the value would go from 500000 to 800000 I, I would have no problem buying that at full price because you're going to have a lot of people putting in offers and you need to, you, you have two choices. You can either get the property and then increase the value and put another $300,000 of equity into your pocket, or you can dicker around with the price and not even get it under contract and lose out, and then you have no equity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you are in a much stronger position on that property to not worry about the price at this stage when you're making the offer, as long as you can prove that it's worth 500000 So in other words, if, if they want 600 and you show it's worth five. I wouldn't necessarily offer six, but if they show today with all the vacancy and the higher expenses and it's worth five, if you think that's a smoking deal, so is everybody else, and you need to move to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So I would have no problem offering full price today in order to get my foot in the door, get it under contract, and then start working the due diligence from there and then possibly renegotiating a better price or better terms down the road. Right. And it's important for folks who are used to the single family home business where you have like 10 days to do your inspections and due diligence that in the apartment business, it's not that unusual to have 30 or 45 days built into the contract to do things like see leases and go through the apartments unit by, no one expects you to have inspected all 100 units in a hundred unit building before you put your offer in. That's just not the way it works no. in the commercial business. Okay, I think we have time for one more quick question here. This is from Kristen in Toledo. She says, help Anthony, I am looking at a seven-unit building owned by a bank. They have absolutely no rent records. There are absolutely no expense records. When I run the actual income, the building is worth zero because zero <laughs> divided by the cap rate is still zero. <laughs> So what, what do you do when you've got a, a 100% vacant building and, and you're trying, I mean, you've explained how to come up with the ultimate value, but how, how do you decide what to offer? Well, you know, there's going to be a minimum amount that the property is worth in that particular market, because as long as it has a roof on it and windows, it's going to have some type of a value. There's no doubt about it. So what are some of the other units in that area going for? It may not be the best way to come up with a price, but if you can find other units in that area that have sold for 
dollars a door at full operating or you know 100% occupancy you could potentially come back and just offer them half of that so that way you're getting a, a good deal at a good price with the idea that you could potentially double or triple the value of the property within a short time period just by reoccupying the property mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and Kristen, remember, I mean, ultimately, it's all about what do you want to make. If if you just if you decided you want a hundred thousand dollars equity in this building, you know how to do the performa, subtract a hundred thousand dollars from that, and you've got a hundred thousand dollars in equity. So, yeah. it's, it's, in some yeah. ways, this we've this actually, ultimately gets down to what do you want, right? Yeah, um, we, we've be surprised. We've actually found properties where the seller should theoretically using the formulas that we've been talking about, should theoretically pay us to take the property off their hands. <laughs> I've seen those too. Um, and I, I really appreciate your time today, Anthony. I know that you are off to speak at GD RIA tonight and that you're going to be here in town tomorrow sharing a lot more of your experiences at Cincinnati RIA. Uh, folks who want to attend that can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. And while you're there, check out Anthony's all-day session on February the 12th. That's going to be a really good one. Again, Cincinnati RIA. I hope to see all of you there tomorrow night. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Stay tuned for Local 12 News coming up next. This is 89.3 WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Just want to let you know real quick, there's a serious accident eastbound 275 near 5 Mile. Uh, Injuries, car on fire, expect big delays eastbound 275 near 5 Mile. Now let's join Local 12 News at 6. This is Local 12 News. Good evening, everybody. The mystery witness we've been wondering about.